Because no race has the last word on culture and on civilization. They do not know what we are capable of. They do not know what we are thinking. They are thinking in terms of dreadnoughts, battleships, aeroplanes, submarines. You know what we are thinking about? That is our own private business. You are listening to The Brown CEO. You are listening to The Brown CEO. I'm your host, Selma Idris. Follow the conversation every week as I speak to some of the dopest minds from around the planet about what's broken and how we're going to fix it. This is The Conversation Between Us, every Tuesday. Yalla, let's go. Hello and welcome to episode two of The Brown CEO. Last week, we talked about pockets of stability on the continent, spoke to a CEO who just returned from her first trip to the continent and encouraged our listeners to take the next steps to home to make a connection. I thought this week it only right to address the reality we all have to face across our communities, across the world. Our people aren't free. We know that. Until we are, we will continue to maneuver economically and socially in a limited manner. This episode, our topic is uprising, our example is Sudan, what's wrong, what's happening, and how we can help fix it. On the agenda for this episode is a conversation with freelance writer, editor, activist, and co-host of the podcast, What Sucks This Week, Sarah Al-Hassan. Sarah is a Sudanese nomadic polyglot, I'm talking like Arabic, Chinese, Korean, French, this is dope and has emerged as a trusted reporter and voice on the protests in Sudan. I want to talk to Sarah today and gain some insight into uh, what the hell is going on. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Welcome. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. Um, There is so much to talk about in terms of Sudan. But first, because most of our listeners are not Sudanese, um, I just want to frame, you know, what what are we talking about? Like, where is Sudan? Let's let's give them a a little brief, short history. Sure. Um, You know, Sudan is a country in... Uh, East Africa. Some people like to claim it's in North Africa. Some people like to claim it's in the Middle East. (laughs) Um, But as far as I'm concerned, it is a country in East Africa that used to be um, the biggest country in Africa uh, size-wise. But unfortunately, uh, due to the secession of South Sudan, it is not any longer. Um, Sudan is a country that is... (sighs) the identity of which is Mm -hmm. very complex. Uh, It's incredibly diverse, ethnically, tribally. Um, And so that that lends to a lot of of issues of of where to to place it, Um, which Mm -hmm. is why we have the whole struggle of, are we Middle Eastern? Are we North African, East African? Where are we? Yeah, and just Um, to even frame it closer, Sarah mentioned we're in East Africa slash North Africa, right below Egypt, we touch Ethiopia, um, but also Uganda and Chad. Um, we before before the secession, we touched many countries, many of which have various cultures, tribes, uh, are are all included within our borders, um, right. and and that's that's the complication of it. Currently, our official language is Arabic, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually. Technically, we have two official languages, which are Arabic and English, but Arabic is um, now the most widely used uh, and is considered yeah, the, the national language. Mm-hmm. And our religion now, especially after the secession, is, is we're Muslims. It's a, it's a uh, crazy percent yeah. now, too, right? Yeah. Um, the, the, the country is predominantly Muslim, more so now after the secession of the South, but there are there is still a significant population of Christians um, that live in Sudan, but unfortunately, uh, politically they aren't really recognized. So it, politically, the the you know the party line is it's a, it's a Muslim country. Okay, and just to give uh, folks a little bit of background, also the Sudan is where the two Niles meet. Um, yep. Uh, historically, you think of the the dynasties of Nuba, of Kush, 
um, the largest amount of pyramids exist and, in, in and within the, the Sudan. And the oldest, yes, exist within mm-hmm. Sudan's borders. So historically for the diaspora, this is a, uh, a major location in our history. Um, and that's why I found it important to talk about it today. This isn't, you know, th- this, this is important and deep for all of us. Sudan, also the name itself means land of the blacks, Sud. Mm-hmm. So um, as far as, you know, where we come from, uh, the Nile Rift Valley, where humans come from, uh, this is the center and the source. And um, yeah, I, I think it's important to talk about that today. Currently in Sudan, um, and many, most people don't know um, in my travels, walking around, you know, very educated pockets of Brooklyn, <laughs> mm-hmm. of folks that are very on it and, you know, very woke, have no idea that currently um, there is an uprising and revolution happening in Sudan. Inshallah, it's a revolution, but an uprising yeah. and revolution happening in Sudan. And that's what I wanted to talk to you to about it, um, uh, talk to you t- today about Sarah, just because, you know, th- there's revolution happening across the planet. Um, right. And I mentioned earlier, like, our people are not free. We cannot maneuver economically and socially as we want. And it's important that we're all aware of what's happening and we're all connected and we can all help. Um, so why don't we get a little bit more into that? Like what, what is happening right now? Because I haven't seen very much of it on media here in, in the States. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's still pretty under underreported or unreported um, in U.S. media, but as of uh, December 19th, um, 2018, there have been consistent, uh, actually daily protests across the country. Um, it started, the spark of it was um, that high school uh, students in Abbara went to school and found out that their lunch fees had increased by double overnight. Um, and they sort of just took to the streets immediately in protests. Uh, and that kind of made international media see this as a, what they called a bread protest, um, you know, claiming that people went out in protest uh, across the country because of bread prices or increased bread prices and all that, which, you know, uh, is, is, is only partially true. So the protest in Abbara was really the spark um, that sort of extended across the country and more, most importantly into Khartoum, which is the capital city of Sudan. It's the city with most access, um, uh, with, you know, the, the more or the most wealthy of the population live in Khartoum. Mm-hmm. So for protests to touch and ignite in Khartoum is a, is a really big deal. Um, but just to to give sort of a wider context, uh, Sudan has been going through an economic recession or, listen, collapse, mm-hmm. if we want to keep it 100. Um, the last, I want to say five years, but definitely the last couple of years have been the toughest economically. Um, inflation is at 150%. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a mess. Um, and that's just one side of it. The the other sides are, of course, the fact that we live in a dictatorship, um, that, you know, for 30 years, people have been oppressed, suppressed, repressed. Um, the government has really ruled with an iron fist. And it is a government that did not take power democratically in the first place. Um, you know, they took power through a military coup. So really, we didn't really have much of a choice in the matter in terms of our rulers. Um, and for the last 30 years, you know, they have uh, put in place policies that have divided people tribally and ethnically that, you know, are uh, inherently misogynistic, that are inherently bigoted, mm-hmm. um, and that only serve those in power. Um, there's, you know, a, a, a really severe um trend, I guess, or I can't really find the right word, but trend of corruption that, you know, it's, that is, that is across, across the board when it comes to government officials or people in power and all of the expense of the people. So when people are out in protest now, day, what, 37, 38? um, Wow. It's day 38 now. Yeah. Yeah. It's been over a month. People are not out just because of bread anymore. They are out because they are sick and tired of being 
oppressed, of not living freely, of not having access to quality, you know, education, healthcare. There's no freedom of press. Like it's it's just a lot. Um, and is it goes this the way first beyond. Time, is this the first time the, the, the protests are happening? Is this the first time the Sudanese people have taken to the streets in protest? No. Mm-hmm. Um, the first protests that I can think of were in 2011. The most significant were in 2013. Um, and, uh, you know, those were sort of the, that was until then the biggest uh, uprising. And it was nothing close to what's happening now. In 2013, the crackdown was vicious. Um, and and was uh, that, that wasn't in Khartoum, right? That was in like out. Well, there was, I mean, the most significant uh, event in Khartoum and the 2013 protests were, was that high school children took to the mm. streets. And again, they were murdered in the street by government forces. So they were shot dead in the street. Um mm. And that was the end of that, pretty much. After that, people kind of got the message, and it fizzled out. But this what do you is think the difference is this time? Oh, people are no longer afraid, and I think they have nothing left to lose. A lot of people are feeling like, I would rather die than be ruled by this government for one more second. And we've seen it. I mean, up until now, the numbers of those killed in the protests by government forces is up to... I think 51 people in 38 days. Um, it's, it's it's more than a body you know, a day. It's crazy. Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's more than a body a day. And it, you know, people, it's not stopping them. It's not scared before in 2013, people were really scared. They mm. stayed home because, you know, they saw what the government was capable of. And now they know what the government is capable of. We're seeing it. We have video and photo photographic evidence of it, but we're still out because it's halas. <laughs> you well, know what I mean? Enough let's talk enough. about this government for a second again to to go back to framework. It's I don't even think we mentioned uh, the the dictator's name who's in power right now. It's uh, Omar al Bashir. Yes. He's currently been in power. Just to give you guys a background, Sudan was colonized by the British. We used to be known mm-hmm. as Egypto Egypto. Uh, what was it, British, British Egypto Sudan, Sudan or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, colonized by the British. We gained our independence in 56, 1956. Um, and we were we one had, of the first, I think we were one of the first, if not the first African country to gain independence. Oh, uh, I did not know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we had years of progress. Um, and there's actually phenomenal footage that we'll send links to uh, as far as like uh, U.S. relations with our President Haboud. Um, We had a history and legacy of amazing forward-working African uh, dignitaries and leaders that were Sudanese um, and intellectuals. Um, Then fast forward, because this is a brief history, we get to this dictatorship, Omar al-Bashir. He's now been in power for 30 years. He took power in 1989. 1989. Just to let y'all know, we were actually, I was funny, not funny, but my family and I were actually on vacation in Khartoum. I'm Sudanese. I don't think I've ever mentioned that on any of the episodes. But uh, uh, we were on vacation in 1989 and actually left during the coup. Um, Wow. We were the last plane out. Um, Really? Yep. I still oh, remember so that. Like, what was I, like 12 years old, I think, at the time? But yeah, we were there by vacation and we were on the last plane out before Bashir. And um, yes, over the last 30 years, um, the Sudanese diaspora, um, the people in Sudan have, have lost a tremendous amount of dignity, um, yeah. freedom. Uh, and I think dignity is huge because it is so important to us as right. as Sudanese people um, since this, this last dictator. And he has gone to go ahead and sell a lot of the country. And mind you, this is some of the most valuable land on the planet. This is the now. Y'all have been reading about it for since the beginning of time. Um, right. To neighboring countries, to the West, to the Europe, to China, to Turkey, to... Yeah, to the the Arab states, to everybody. Like, it's just, it's a land grab. Like, I don't even know what we still own. Like, what are we saying when we say we're Sudanese anymore? Right. Um, so these protests aren't, 
this is 30 years. This, this, this isn't, there's like when, when Sarah, you said there's no, there's nothing left to lose. Right. The, the, there's no turning around for us at this point. And, it, and it's interesting to see a people that like Sudanese people don't need much. And we're not a warring people, generally speaking. Like we have education, a home, shy, which is tea, and, a, and a, some place to sit and enjoy the breeze. Yeah. A good book. We're good. <laughs> right. No, for real. Yeah, I think, I mean, Sudanese people are very laid back, um, you know, not um, not tightly wound at all, not high strung at all. Uh, very simple, like you said, in their needs. And, you know, this government has has, I think, really taken advantage of that. I think they've taken advantage of uh, our kindness as a people, which is something that uh, we are, we're known for across the world. Um, you know, when, when people started emigrating out of Sudan and into the Gulf states and the U.S. and Europe, um, anybody who would meet a Sudanese person, who had met a Sudanese mm-hmm. person before, would say, oh, the first thing they would say was, Sudanese people are so kind. Yep. Sudanese people are so hospitable. Sudanese people are so, you know, whatever, generous. And so I think the government has taken advantage of that mm-hmm. and really used it to keep people, uh, you know, under control. Uh, my dad says this a lot. You see other countries like, you know, that are going through a similar thing or have went through a similar thing like uh, Iraq, say, or Syria or whatever. And you see people, you know, um, uh, giving their lives or like blowing themselves up for a cause. Sudanese people would never do that. That's what yeah. my dad always says. Sudanese people would never do that because mm-hmm. we're just not that type of people. We're not, there, there isn't anything um, aggressive about us or anything sort of, you know, uh, extreme about us. Oh, it's so um, true. Like when I saw, remember when they're like the Korean students were protesting and they cut their fingertips off? And yes. I was like, oh my God, it's so gangster. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We would never do that. We would never do that. Right. Hunger I, protests, and, you know, things like that. Yeah. And yeah. so that's why I think now it's so significant because we, we're we ready to give our lives for, for you know, for this. Yeah. And, and that, that's, never, that's never happened before. That's never been the case before. Or I, at least in the last 30 years. I, I, now my wonder, th- th- this is where my brain goes to. It's just like the extreme fed upness, for lack of a better word, of right, the people. Right. And like as a people, like even I've sensed it, you know, being separated and away from my family, but knowing that certain members of my family that I would never even... Th- Yusra Al-Baghir, who works at, um, who is a reporter at Channel 4, um, and she is has been amazing. You've been amazing. Um, another uh, article I read was Sarah Muhammad wrote an amazing article for The Nation. But other than us and young us at that, you know, w- w- yeah. where's the yeah. word? Like, where are the, polit- where are the politicians? Where, where is it coming up from the top down? Who, who, why is this not a, a global atrocity? We have gone through uh, genocide by this government in Darfur. Mm-hmm. The it wiped out a whole population, millions of people, families. We've lost artists. We've lost culture, history. Um, where are the ambassadors? Where, where, where are the people that are supposed to say something? Where's the Human Civil Rights Commission? Where's the African Union? What did the African Union say about all this? Well, the African Union uh, <laughs> released a statement way early. Uh, saying that you know both sides need to reevaluate the situation and basically calm down. And it's both like, sides, as in what? the government and the who needs to who's the other side? It was the very tanks? reminiscent of Trump after Charlottesville. Yeah. Very much like what other side? What are you talking about? It's so dangerous to me too. It's interesting when you mentioned Trump because. They didn't, weren't they calling, like, I, I know when I was in Sudan last time, last May or a few months ago, um, I know the nickname they have in Sudan for Trump is Turumba, because it's a... <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that, actually. <laughs> my, my family is all like, oh, Amazing. Turumba's on TV. One, there's no P in Arabic, so it's Trump, <laughs> but Turumba <laughs> is a gas station, so, like, this man is here to, like, rob the planet of oil, so it's, like, it's the perfect 
It's it's it the perfect is. nickname. It really is. <laughs> but what I'm seeing is like just a global citizen sitting back is that we're seeing more and more fascist language, more and more deplorable human beingness happening all over the planet. And like we're seeing Trump's speeches reiterated in Arabic and in French yeah. and in every other language that you need to control the people. Um, right. it, it's such a related time. It's, it's like almost everybody's bucking up now. Like, well, who's going to stop me? The U S isn't right. the, 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 the planet's police anymore. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think definitely Trump, uh, if, 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 if not, you know, the U.S.'s track record, I think definitely Trump um, sort of had a really big hand in, in destroying that, you know, that myth or that image of, you know, the U.S. being the world's police and like the bringer of justice and all that. Um, but I think, I think you're right. I think the world is turning towards, you know, this very aggressive extremist sort of um, white supremacist nationalist <laughs> rhetoric uh, in our case Arab supremacist um, but uh, you know people my family always says that Trump I mean uh, Bashid is the OG Trump you know mm. Bashid was Trump before Trump was Trump yeah um, and I think I think to go back to to your surprise at you know, the international community or the U.S. not really caring about what's happening in Sudan. I think that has been clear for a long time. Like mm -hmm. you said, you know, the war in the South, um, the the Darfur genocide, uh, you know, the Nuba Mountains, um, even, you know, the oppression of people in eastern Sudan. All of that has not made not a blip on the world stage, mm -hmm. mainly because I think people either benefit from this government being in power, which is the likely scenario, uh, and, and why they, you know, don't care to, don't care to interfere or, or investigate. Um, but also I think people don't really, are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. You can say whatever you want. I mean, people don't give a fuck about Sudan because they don't even know where it is. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? They don't, they have nothing, they have no historical context they have no cultural context nothing there's no information about sudan in the way that there is about egypt or about you yeah. know the middle east that makes it attractive for people to even care to know about um you know and so so for me i'm not surprised when uh the un says the same thing that the african union said both sides need to reevaluate things and calm down i'm that's not surprised inhumane. when people are like what's happening <laughs> that's just such like, inhumane bullshit though. yeah i mean it's it's and it's not you know it's the same way that the international media for three weeks damn near a month reported on the protests in sudan as uh you know government forces fire tear gas at protesters when every single day we had live video of people being shot, people being killed in the street. So, you know, I, unfortunately, I think um, the lack of exposure that the world has to Sudan, the fact that, you know, mm -hmm. we have not been a country like other African countries that is known to people, um, whether politically or culturally, that has worked at a disadvantage for us because now you have to build the foundation of explaining what Sudan is in the first place in order to get people to care enough to then explain, well, what's happening now? Well, that's what, what I, I want mean? to talk about with you. It's like, because yeah. this is the focus of our show. Um, right. You know, we could talk about all the problems till we're blue in the face. And then even our own problems of Sudanese and identity and so on. It's so layered. But at the end of the day, how do we get to a place where we can make a difference Right. You know, like how do how do we how do we get to a place where we can fix it? Like, okay, nobody knows about Sudan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, yeah. We need to. Um, we we need exposure. We're actually Sudanese people. The diaspora is everywhere, and we, you know, Absolutely. our our main professions are artists, writers, makers. So it's a good way, uh, especially this generation. Before that, we've yeah. always had lots of artists, lots of writers. Yes, of course, the whole African engineer, you know, doctor thing right. is our thing. But like we do have people that can get the word out. So how do we um, 
what's the first step? Okay, I recognize we, we, we have to let people know what's happening, but we need, this is an acute situation here. Um, people are dying. It's unnecessary. Uh, the government is flat out wrong. And if people don't die from the immediate consequences of everything and the government actually coming out and shooting people, people are going to die from forced starvation from austerity measures that are complete and total bullshit. Um, right. You know, we, we've lost a lot of resources in splitting with the South. Uh, the government is, is driving the country into economic turmoil. Um, is there anything that we can do to fix it? <laughs> how do we start to fix it? Like, we got to start talking about how to fix it. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think that's a conversation that needs to happen. I also think that people, uh, it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's overwhelming because there are so many moving parts and there are so many things to fix. It's not just, you know, it's not just a political problem. It's also a social one. It's not just a social problem. It's also a cultural one. Well, what is our culture? It's a lot. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. Um, I, I think uh, in terms of our our image to the world or like introducing people to Sudan and who we are and what it is, I think we were in the last, I want to say three years or so, maybe three or five years, we've started doing that. Yeah. I've think, seen more tourism. Like I met a, I met a white yeah. lady from like California at the hotel this last trip that was going really? to like the pyramids and stuff. And I saw her, I met her at Nuba Wrestling. I was like, what are oh. you doing here? How do you know? Yeah, yeah. but she said it was an That's Amex awesome trip. So I was like, oh, American Express brought her there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, yeah, and this was this past this was this past winter. So this wow. past, yeah, December, January. So I mean, the especially the the meadow wheat pyramids and everything have have I've right. seen a lot more awareness to it. So I was actually kind of you're hopeful sometimes because you're like, yay. They know what we are and how great right. we were. And then also for me, it's like it's so important for like just black folks all over the planet to realize how dope this right. region of the world has been for so long that like right. they said that the aliens built the pyramids and then went ahead and put it on their money anyway. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. that's deep. That's like, you're, yeah. it's so dope. You want us to deny that, you know? Right. You want to erase you don't that. You don't want to give us credit for that. Yeah. You're calling us aliens. Like, that's right. the biggest compliment you can give me. It's just like, <laughs> you are inhuman. You're so great. Um, so I'm down with it. And you want people to know about that. But at the same time, right. you're so afraid because who's the first person I met there? I didn't meet, like, you know, Tracy from Atlanta that was right. going to get, like, a real taste of her history I got like Becky from Oakland. <laughs> she just finished gentrifying Oakland and now she's on her way to Sudan to see opportunities right. up and down the Nile. See if right. there's maybe a timeshare, a home she could buy in the Mogran. <laughs> you know, like and that's the fear of it. It's like you wanna open yeah. it, you want you wanna open it to the right people, but then you're afraid that like everybody that's gonna come in is gonna exploit your people and ruin everything about it. Well, um, not to be uh, you know, I don't wanna um, bash our people, but I think we also have a hand in, you know, how we market ourselves and who we market ourselves to. Mm. I think we have fallen victim to a lot of other African countries and Middle Eastern countries' uh, obsession with uh, the white gaze, you know what I mean, and white people and getting mm. their attention and proving that we are worthy in their eyes. Mm. And we've, in the process, forgotten our African neighbors, we've forgotten the diaspora, the African diaspora. And, and, and I, you know, uh, some of it is orchestrated. Yeah. Some of it is, is planned and strategized. And some of it is just, you know, us being uh, brainwashed. Oh, yeah. Um, y- you know, if we talk about the Sunni's community in, in America, our community, um, I think maybe the newer generations are a little bit better at this. But definitely when I was growing up, when my brothers were growing up, you know, there was very much this separation between us as Sudanese people and and Americans, and particularly African Americans. Yep. Yep. You know, and and I think that plays a part in it as well. And I'm sure that that's, uh, you know, the same for other African communities in the states as well. Um, and so you have this rift between black people in America, American black people, and you know, um, 
Americans of African descent like us mm-hmm. uh, or direct African descent like us. Uh, I don't actually know how to phrase that. But anyway, you know what no, I that's mean? That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, our our, our communities have, 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 you know, distanced themselves and have made, uh, you know, African-Americans feel like they're unwanted or, you know, shunned by us. Mm-hmm. And so I don't blame people for not knowing or not being interested. I think that's where we need to make more effort. Um, and like I said, I think our, our newer generations of Sudanese Americans are better at this because there's a there's much more of a merge between or a blend. Like, they, you know, we see ourselves as black folk mm-hmm. versus our parents who see themselves as Sudanese. Yeah. Right. And not part of the American social or cultural landscape. So um, that I think that's one one area where we could stand to. to to make make improvements so how do we let's say we assume like now this generation of folk that have gotten into the point where like there's some folks y'all don't even know we're Sudanese like there's whole rap crews that y'all listen to and love and y'all didn't even know these cats are Sudanese and I'm not even going to shout them out I'll let them talk on their own but we're everywhere Uh, we're we're editing Vogue we are on your podcast we are in your stores uh, you know, I spoke to a sister CEO the other day that is is big time in beauty. Like mm-hmm. we're everywhere because we do blend so easily into the fabric right. of America. We are such yeah. black. We are the we're, we're black folk. We're the land of the we're blacks. Black. We're here. We're black. Yeah. Um, so now that we are, you know, saying that this generation we're woke, we're in it, we're about it. You know, we we're in pop culture. We're authoring it in many in on many levels. Mm-hmm. how do we now that the connection is here, how does the diaspora help? Let's say we might not be able to motivate an African-American who's worrying about their own problems in, you know, Charlottesville, right. Brooklyn, New York, Detroit, everything we're going through in this country that the Sudanese people right. are involved in as well, because I'm a black American yeah. as well. Exactly. You know, exactly. Um, so we're worrying about it here. How do we help the diaspora? I've seen so many, um, and we'll play them throughout the episode, so many um, Instagram posts and Facebook posts from Sudanese people living in the UK and in, in the US across mm-hmm. the world pleading, pleading for the diaspora to help. But I'm waiting to hear what they need me to do. Do I need to go talk to my congressman? Do I need to stop right. spending money somewhere? Like, I'll do it. Like, do you want me to drive to right. Queens and pick everybody up and take them to a masjid? I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, we need to know, we need to have some sort of structure like as as many yeah. people like they, they can bad mouth a black lives matter or they can say oh this crew does this you know what that that is that's called organization that's called right. organization and then what happens is everybody looks at an organization and goes oh my god we might have to listen and succumb to some of these things what how can we organize a protest outside of sudan to help the sudanese people well, I think that's already, I mean, I think that's already happening. We've already been seeing uh, Sudanese communities across America and Europe um, do that, you know, protest in their town squares, protest in front of embassies, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think on that front, we're good. Okay. Now, <laughs> personally, I don't know. Other than get the attention of the public, mm-hmm. I don't know what that does. I'll be I'll be real with you. I'm all for uh, demonstrating mm-hmm. and 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 all that, but I just I I don't really know what what it does. And I think that the world is so used to not caring that that they'll just continue to not care. But that's the pessimist in me. I'm sure that it has some objective and some purpose, and I'm sure it fulfills that purpose. Um, in terms of what we can do, like more, more uh, solid contribution, mm-hmm. um, you know, fundraising, I think, is really important. Okay. Uh, but the problem with that is... <laughs> How do you get the money? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, right, what, what are we going to do? Yeah, that's the hard... Yeah. But, well, for those that don't know, it's very difficult to get yes. send money into Sudan. You can't just wire money into uh-uh. Sudan because of sanctions. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, because the government is an oppressive one, getting 
cash into the country is also difficult because, you know, you, you have to answer to somebody. Yeah. They, they're going to ask you what that money is for and where is it going. I mean, and right um, now, I know there's a lot of people who are going to get their own cash and can't get right. money. Like, yeah. Oh, you, yeah. you can go Plus, to the bank and just yeah. not get your money. Like, your money's in the bank, right. but they won't give you any money. Right. There's a you know, severe cash flow problem, yeah. so you can't even withdraw any money if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, and if you had it, but, um, I think, I think there are ways around that people have become very resourceful and very sort of, you know, uh, cunning in how they get around the limitations. So that's, that's, that's one area that, that, you know, people can work on. I think as for us as diaspora, I really do believe that our way of helping mm-hmm. is setting down a plan of how we can help on the ground once things once the dust settles. Yes. I think, you know, thinking ahead and brainstorming about every facet of what needs to be fixed. I think we think about the, you know, um, the regime has got to go. We think about that and we're so focused on that. We don't think about what's going to happen in the aftermath. Yep. And that's a problem. We have so many qualified, competent, Super educated, educated, (laughs) genius people across the Sudanese diaspora, across the world. And I think those people need to really, you know, think about and start planning for how they are going to lend their expertise once, you know, you know, once we get there. I think it's really important. I mean, I, over the last month and and some change, I've really been sort of personally obsessing about that. Like, what's going to happen if this is successful, which I really hope it is. If this is successful, what are we going to do after? Like, we have to, you know, we have to think about, we have to think about that. We really have to sit down and, and plan out, you know, even if it's just on a personal level, you know, on an individual basis of like, what can I do? What do I think needs to be fixed? Making a list of that, I think that's better than, that's already progress. Mm -hmm. Because especially for people in Sudan, they are more aware and more um, knowledgeable about what, you know, where where the discrepancies are, where the the lack is for things, you know? But I think they also have the disadvantage of being in it. So a lot of things... You, you miss a lot of things yeah. by being in the middle of things. Whereas uh, for us in the diaspora, we have the advantage of looking at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. We have the advantage of looking at things from an outsider's point of view and from a more objective point of view. And I think that really helps when it comes down to um, thinking of solutions or planning for solutions. Because yeah. then you're like, oh, I see this. You might not see that, but I see it. I hope that that that, that this occurrence it helps with that resolve as well because there's a huge divide between. I mean, we talked about like Africans and African Americans, but even being bit America, which is like daughter of America. Like when I get to Sudan, they call me a Hawaja, which is the word for like a white person. You know, (laughs) so they're like, "Oh, Hawaja." I'm like, "Did you just call me white girl? I'm not a Becky." But, uh, you know, but that's that's that there's a disconnect within that, too. But if we could yeah. just appreciate each other, just like, I mean, like from Atbara all the way to Khartoum, to every Habboba, to every child, to every student that is on the ground protesting right now. God bless you. Yeah. You know? And let me tell you something, though. Over the, you know, since this movement has started, we've seen a lot of change, even if it's just on social media. But mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of change in people's attitudes towards each other. Yeah. I mean, you talk about us being called, you know, Bittamrika and stuff. That's out the window. I mean, like, I don't, I think there's, there's, there's a unity that's happening right now mm-hmm. that hasn't been, like, we have not been this united as a people in a very long time. In a very, very long time. I mean, even within Sudan, you had, you know, the, tribal uh, divisions, you had socioeconomic divisions, you know, like the wealthy have no idea what's going on with the disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. They, you know, the the people who grew up outside of Sudan and came back, they're they're their own subset, subgroup that, you know, isn't really accepted by other people. And now you see all these people coming together in a way that we've never seen it before. And I think that's one of the most 
impressive and uplifting things like this, that there's no line between, you know, there was such bitterness between uh, communities abroad, people of the diaspora and, and lo local Sudanese people. And that is, is fading away very, very quickly. I hope that like has uh, a bond. Yeah, there's just a I bond hope that, that has Bashir that and his cronies uh, shaken in their boots. Well, yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah. Listen, I'm sure it this, does. I mean, it seems like this is the most afraid they've been as far as their even response and the level of response. Definitely. So I just hope that people see like there is no revolution without blood. And it, it's, a, it's, it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate yeah. reality that we have to face. But there is no change without pain. And yep. if this is the generation that's willing to take it on their backs, um, God bless them. The diaspora yeah. got you. I will do everything yeah. that I can to talk about it, be about it. Um, I want every all the listeners, whether you're Sudanese or not, you owe it to your melanin to uh, follow okay. the hashtag Sudan Uprising. These are your people. This is where you came from. If you're going to sit there and say, you know, we, our people are we're kings and queens and pharaohs and of the pyramids, then you need yeah. to support Sudan because that's where it's from. That's where it started. That's where humanity started. And this is your, your right, your claim. Let's get this now together so we can come show you all some, some cruises up and down the Nile. Let's, let's you know, get you guys back yeah. home. Um, Sarah, thank you so much. For having this conversation with me today. Thank um, you. I, Thank I, you for even, you know, broaching the topic and, and having it on your platform. I want y'all to, to follow Sarah. Um, she's at BS on Blast and at BS on Blast underscore two. We'll have all of her information and her handles in our show notes as well as on thebrownceo.com. And thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Uh, I just encourage everybody to stay informed. Is there anything else that you want to say to the folks, to our listeners? Well, I think um, right now the, you know, this started sort of like very grassroots, very uh, spontaneous movement, but um, out of it emerged the Sudanese Professionals Association, which is now like the leading organization that plans the next steps for protests that gives people information that you know it, it's sort of like the the verified source for all info relating to what's happening right now um under the Sydney professional association or in coordination with it I, I really can't tell from my position but uh you know you have other organizations like the uh Sudanese doctors union or whatever those kinds of subgroups that work in coordination with the group, with the association, to give to get out um, for, formal verified information, particularly about, you know, protesters who are injured or deaths or whatever that kind of thing. Um, I do know that there is an individual, and I'm sure he has a team, that is verified that 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 works uh, with directly with uh, people who are, you know, injured protesters or their families or the families of those who died um, in terms of giving them like financial support and everything. But I would have to check to make sure that that's him. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the problem right now is that there are no set organizations for, for that kind of work. I, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm sure that it will happen in the future, but yeah. I don't, right now I don't think there is. And so it makes it difficult to, you know, to say, donate to the following. Yeah. It's really, really hard to do that. Sounds like that's so, one of our first steps. Yeah. Is to uh, encourage you know, somebody to come out there as a leader and, um, yeah. and, 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 and kind of spearhead this. And maybe somebody of, of importance and means would be really nice too. Sudanese diaspora. Um, mm -hmm. calling for leaders to kind of organize, organize this. We have a, a, a question from uh, our producer, Dougie. Go ahead, Dougie. Hi. I was just wondering, so as far as perception in social media goes and the Sudan Uprising hashtag, I've been following it and I've seen it a lot. Do you want, is there a social action we could try and do around that? Like, is there, like, should we set up a day where we get a bunch of people to get that trending or something to 
or reach out mm-hmm. to reporters at the Washington Post and the New York Times who wrote about the bread protests and provide like facts right. about the issues um, or is there something in that zone we could focus on? Well, listen, I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> I think anything helps at this point. Um, we've, as, as, a, as a community of, of people online who are following the protests and, and posting about them and everything, I think we've just been really focused on what's happening on the ground because it's, a da- it's daily activity. It's very hard to sort of step back and, and, and think about something on a on a wider, more general scope, when things are happening like back to back to back, on the ground, um, and because it's so few of us who are tweeting or reporting in English, particularly, it's really mm-hmm. hard to set up like a, a social media campaign that requires time and effort. So yeah, I think that's really important, and I think that's a good way to get uh, people in the states or you know in the West, I'll say, um, interested or you know aware. So, so, yeah, I mean. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that offline. That's a, <laughs> I think that's actually a good next step. We'll, we'll be hitting you up about yeah. that, Sarah. I'm not kidding. Yeah, please do. Yeah, please do. Um, any other questions? I think we're good for now. Maybe if there's any follow-ups. If you think yeah. of anything. Yeah. If there's anything you want um, to say, can we get a soundbite of you just explaining your work? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Who you are? And, yeah. 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 We didn't mention it. Ahead, like, um, in, in what sense? Like, you know how I kind of introduced you, like, uh, where... Do you like long walks on the beach? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a Bacardi in that. There's a lamb in Bacardi. Yeah, maybe just, like, a project you're working on now or, like, your field. Like or, anything. Do you you like can talk about your new, bo- your, new, your new podcast. Your new podcast. <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it's it's me. yeah it is. I, my PB situation is ridiculous. <laughs> But we could talk about your new podcast, too, which I think is dope. I love your episode on Sudan with Muhammad. I think you and Muhammad are perfect partners for a podcast, by the way. He is so dry, witty. It's ridiculous. He's really, he's a, he's, he's a, um, a performer at heart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Engineer by trade, performer at heart. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a freelance writer and editor. Um, editor and writer. I, I don't know which one comes first, but they both go together. Um, and um, I was active uh, writing on my blog, but you know now that Sudan Uprising is happening, that's kind of taking a back seat. But I do host uh, two podcasts. Um, one uh, with a friend, Sarah, uh, that's called No Sir, No Man, where we drag our timelines for being trash. Um, we usually <laughs> cover uh, cover sort of um, current events and pop culture, uh, both in Sudan and across the the the, the world. I guess um, we focus on the U.S., France, uh, the U.K., and Sudan. I would say that's that's sort of our area. Um, and then yeah, the other podcast, uh, What Sucks This Week, with my brother. Um, where we are two siblings who insult each other and talk about stuff uh, from a very bitter point of view. Um, I don't know if that's fair. He might be mad at me for saying that. (laughs) Well, I love your, uh, what is that, episode three that you talk about, Sudan? uh, Yeah, I think so. I think it's the third episode. We just started, so it's still, uh, you know, it's still new. I love it. Um, But both podcasts have an episode about what's happening in Sudan right now from you know, different perspectives. What what episode uh, is it on No Sir No Ma'am? On No Sir No Ma'am, it is episode 43. Whoa! It's our latest episode. Yeah, we've been doing it for a while, on and off. I just, yeah, um, I just caught on late. I've been late to the game. That's hot. That's <laughs> but, yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's pretty much, much it. The Sudanese, one, one question I have, the Sudanese Professional Association, mm-hmm. it doesn't have anything to do with SAPA, does it? No. Okay, no, that's no. different. Okay, yeah, cool. That's I'm just different. making sure. That's, that's, SAPA is here. Um, I think it's the Sudanese-American something, blah, blah, blah. I don't okay. know what it stands for. But that's that's based here. That one is a local organization of Khartoum, and it's basically made up of um, doctors, uh, lecturers, professors, other professionals uh, who came together to sort of, you know. I, I think it, it, it was founded in 2018, 
mm-hmm. um, but it it really emerged uh, to the, like the you know people's minds and views um, this right now when things started happening. Cool. Uh, just last yeah. question in terms of leadership on in Sudan mm-hmm. is who do you think oh yeah next? Is that's there a great question that's like really formidable or at least trustworthy or is it kind of a free for all right now wait can you repeat the question she said in terms of leadership in sudan like somebody on the ground mm-hmm. there is there a who's next is there somebody a that person like, yeah. like a one person a, a like person a, or even like a, a camp party, or a group or a party take over after Bashir. yeah no mm. um well the thing thing i think we should mention about sudan is that um unfortunately uh both the ruling party and the opposition parties have all uh, let down the people. They've sort of, uh, a lot of the opposition groups are, or opposition opposing political parties are built on uh, like legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have sort of a very murky history with the people of Sudan. And over the last 30 years have proven um, ineffective. When you say legacy, do you mean like monarchy, nepotism kind of thing? Like things just passed down. Like you're the ruler because you're related to the ruler kind of thing. Right. Big, big families that, you know, have a political history. the Bushes and the Clintons and the the parallels are amazing. But more so. Yeah. 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 So they've just sort of lost the trust of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why also this movement is so significant now because it's not led by any political party or faction. It is a youth-led movement. It is, uh, a, you know, a civilian-led movement. There's no sort of like organized uh, political or other organization that's that's heading it. Um, the Sudanese Professional Association is as much of a leadership as it gets, and even then. It's there, you know, if you look at their statements, their daily statements or whatever, they're very much uh, open to, you know, it's not a, this is this is what's going to happen and this is set in stone and that's it. Uh, for example, uh, yesterday they released the, um, the schedule for the next week of protests and they've, in Khartoum, they pinpointed certain areas where they thought people should protest. But they also made sure to note that if those places are inaccessible to you, or if you think, you know, if you are a person from this area and you know better, then please make sure to, um, you know, uh, suggest something else to the people around you, as long as they fit these safety criteria. Mm-hmm. And so that's really a departure from what we've seen before in terms yeah. of leadership, where it's very, it's very like, our way or the highway kind of thing. Wow. It's also organic yeah. and it's hard to pinpoint yes. organic. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. So so to answer your question, no. <laughs> there isn't a, a group or a person that is standing out right now as as being a, you know, a worthy alternative. And that was a lot of the conversation in the past uh, when you know when you would talk about oh this government needs to go, people would say the first thing they would say is Who's the alternative? Mm-hmm. What's the alternative? Yeah, and that was a, a point of, of you know, to sort of like demoralizing, mm-hmm. to say that oh well, there's nobody. We yeah. don't trust anyone, and there's no one. So we well, should just the most amazing thing away. I used to hear from folks on the ground and like from family and cousins were at least the Bashir Shaban, like he is the <laughs> yeah. he is full. He is satisfied. Yeah. He is satiated. He had he's stolen all the money he could possibly steal. If we bring somebody else in, they're going to be hungry and they're going to rape us all over again. Right. So it's right. like, wow, that's why you're not, you know, like yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. super. I mean, people's spirits yeah. were really broken to the point where I think a lot of us just didn't think about, didn't think that this was going to happen mm-hmm. at all. We thought we were dead. Because Sudanese people also, the other thing too, Sudanese people don't do this to each other. No, they don't. They definitely don't. That's the thing I wanted to mention (laughs) earlier, but but I forgot. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, uh, people really were so demoralized and so broken. And they had such a hatred for anything Sudan. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether local or abroad. People just needed a way to get out. They just wanted to get out. 
anybody wanted to get out. The timeline, my timeline every day had at least 20, 35 tweets that said, oh, I hate Sudan. I can't wait till I leave. Um, you know, I hate being Sudanese. Um, uh, Sudan is nothing to me. Uh, you know, I don't believe in patriotism because what is a country anyway? That was a lot of the rhetoric. That was a lot of how people were feeling. And that, I can tell you, overnight disappeared. The moment the Alberta protests happened, that disappeared. Mm. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like, I'm not exaggerating. It just, nobody was talking like that anymore. Not a single person. And, and, and as, it went, as it went on, the same people who were tweeting, oh, I can't wait to leave Sudan, I hate Sudan, would quote tweet their earlier tweets saying that <laughs> and be like, I don't feel this energy at all anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do they say? So, Tosco bus? What, what do they say? Yeah, give me like, that chant. So, give me that. Uh... One guy was like, um, quote tweeted himself saying, I hate Sudan, patriotism is bullshit. <laughs> and he wrote, who is this? His own tweet. And yeah. he quote tweeted and said, who is this? Beautiful. It's just, you. I mean, it's so telling of why people were feeling that way, yeah. of what people went through to make them feel that way. This government is, is responsible for 99.9% of people's hatred of Sudan and their hatred of themselves. Yeah. And that's deep, right? Hate yourself. Yeah. yeah. You're willing to accept anything from anyone. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I have a question. yeah, um, and I don't know if this is a good question, I'm just more curious than anything else. Um, are there any U.S. elected officials or elected officials in the West that are making any sort of emphasis or doing anything at all? It's a great question. Um, there, oh, I don't know about emphasis, but it's a great question. Somebody sent me a uh, somebody sent me a, a thing, a screenshot from a letter a congressman wrote to Muhammad Atta, who is, I believe, the ambassador of Sudan in Washington or the representative of the UN. I can't remember what he does. No, I think he's the ambassador of Sudan in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I can't find it now. I can't. I can't remember who the congressman was, but it was a letter that was just kind of very half-assed mm. just sort of like oh it's not nice let people protest constitutional <laughs> right like that kind of thing so i mean not really uh, but nobody's he did taking something. a very hard stand that's not yeah bad. he did something no that's yeah, the fact yeah, that he, he even knew i i've met political officials and government people that didn't know where sudan was or keep telling me i'm south american I don't know if they think I'm saying Suriname or they just place okay. me in South America. So they go, okay, you're, you're South American. But that's pretty impressive. I was going to say that I think that's also it's changed because I do think people were aware of more of Sudan. But when we were with the South in terms of genocide in Darfur, mm-hmm. and I do think that there is a link to resources, natural resources, the world's interest in us when we were all one country. Because South Sudan has its own natural resources and other reasons, other areas and reasons why... People wanted to be there. Israel was very strong about having. Well, Israel's thing is the water know, too. We have fresh water, right. yeah. Yep. So right. and the port. The U.S. was into. I mean, you had George Clooney. You had all these people that were sitting and talking about. Oh my genocide. god, I forgot about George Clooney so, and all that. There's a lot of people that knew well, about us. Well, he wrote an article. I completely forgot about all that. There's a lot of people that knew about us. He wrote an article for the Times, didn't he? For the New York yeah. Times. And he used yeah. to travel there. Don Cheadle. Hold the babies. Like, he he used to hold the babies. Yeah. 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 Lest, lest we forget, Don Cheadle was also yeah. thinking about genocide. Yeah. Go ahead, So. I do think that there are a lot of, we did have interest. I definitely don't think that this is just turning a blind eye or ignorance. You knew, they know, people know. I think yeah. the difference is as a country now that we're separated from the South, you know, we're more troublesome. We don't have the natural resources. We don't have the oil. We have other things, mm. but it's much more difficult because you have to go through Bashir, which is a true revolution. And he's already in bed with China. He's in bed with Qatar. He's he sold Turkey, most of the country Iran. to the outside so world. The interests have know. shifted to people in his own region that have supported him before mm-hmm. those reasons, where before we had the world. So I do think that there is this link. And I think the reason why people are turning a blind eye, because we're not trying to re-educate people. So yeah. we're not trying to re-educate people about who we are, because I think they got a taste of that, unfortunately, in a negative one. But a lot of the stuff I know, like with P. 
people who are makers like Sudan Film Factory, me and all, a lot of people, we were trying to change who the perception of who we were as far back as four or five years ago. Now I think it's a difference of we're still here, like, but there's other stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. And well, we've also, what interesting what you just said too, which like our kind of Sudanese is the enigma. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when I meet people in America and they say you're Sudanese, they go, but you're so short or they go, but you're not dark enough to be Sudanese or like that their experience with Sudan is a Sudanese, a a southern Sudanese. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which I am actually half southern Sudanese, but it's that that's their experience is that full. Right. Right. Um, So. It, we we are this Sudan, this identity that we hold so high up there of this like non-African Arab identity that the Arabs mm-hmm. deny that we won't couple on with the Africans. So we're not even right. part of the own continent that we're on. This strange enigma of like, you know, like we I know Sudanese people that have just slid into being Trini. Because it's like, okay, I'm accepted. I'll just leave and <laughs> go right here. You know? Or like, oh, you want me to be Dominican? Okay, I'll be Dominican I'll today. Be, right. I'll be African-American. So we, we kind of like, we disappear. Right. Because identity is such an important thing to us. We hold on to the Sudanese part. And the rest of it is just like, this is the mask that we wear. You know? Yeah. And, and I also think that's that's part of the reason why people are, are turning a blind eye. Mm-hmm. Is because we were... We were the evil yep. before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were the ones right? that, the that, South, that killed all the kids in Darfur. Yeah. We're the ones that killed all the kids and in the so South. And so now they're like, well, now you get what you get. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's what people right? have to understand. We're not. Our government right. was, and we were tortured too. And right. over the last 30 years, our, our men have lost their dignity, and they can't support right. households, and there's less marriage, and there's more things that happen misogynistically as well because this government supports so much crap. So now you got right. people doing ancient stuff of like marrying five wives again and all this stuff because if one man has all the money and these right. other four men can't marry, people aren't having households and families. And this is going to permeate everywhere, and it already exists everywhere. Yeah, they've you know? they've dismantled the fabric of society, honestly, yeah. and like built it into some weird monster that none of us recognize. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look too different than what's happening here. Like I always watch stuff in the United States, and I'm just like, y'all just wait. Yeah, y'all don't even know. Yeah. We were fine. Like the Sudan I grew up in. Like when we were young, when we used to go back home, it was beautiful. It was progressive. Yeah. Women were dope. They, you know, educated. Most of the women in my family are educated. Most of the men in my family are educated. Like, we had a beautiful, we have a beautiful history. We're poets, we're visual artists, we're musicians. And then now we're in a place where it's like, wow, and so quickly. And, like, that's why I think a lot of immigrants watch these administrations here, like Trump or whatever. It's just like, y'all don't even know. All it takes is two, two whatever. I was going to say last point I'm going to make, and then I'll be... Sarah keeps saying stop. last point, but she yeah. doesn't. But that's, that's I'm gonna Sarah. Stop being a backseat And the driver. last thing I'm going to say. But, um, <laughs> but I, one thought that I think is important is that um, for people, and this is what, what I, you know, when Trump was elected, as I said, I think for the first time, maybe Americans can understand what it is like to have your own opinion and be a people ruled by someone who does not represent you. Yeah, yes. at all. If that's Absolutely. the same kind of thing, which is, you know, yes, as Sudan in the past, our history has been horrible. There's been war, civil war uprising. But mm-hmm. people then say, like you guys mentioned earlier, that it is, okay, north-south because you're Muslim and you're light-skinned or you're from this area, then you might hate all these people. And it's like, no, that's my government. That's not me. It's my government. So that's there's not any me. takeaway for people who don't really get it on any other level, understand, and maybe for the first time, if you are someone who is not against Trump, who is against Trump's policy at least, you understand what it's like to be ruled by someone who you completely disagree yeah. with and who right. is you know doing things and at least he's even doing it legally now imagine if that was yeah imagine if nobody yeah. ca- if there was no pelosi to sit there and be like no you're not getting a wall right. you're not getting a wall <laughs> like you would just get a wall like that's what bashir yeah. does he says i want yeah. i want a wall i will get a wall i will sell the nile i will sell the ports he's so listen uh, uh, so a whole port a whole port yeah the turkish yeah. a whole port somebody sent me a tweet from some, I think it was a Saudi account, showing pictures of somebody who was a landowner in Sudan 
that basically they bought a bunch, a, a huge amount of agricultural land somewhere in northern Sudan and are now, uh, you know, having their first wheat harvest that they are going to ship to Saudi or Qatar or wherever it was. And it's theirs. It's mm -hmm. all theirs. The land, they own the land. They own they, on it. And they are farming to feed their people on our land. Yeah. Well, our people starve. Meanwhile, we are importing agricultural goods. We are importing agricultural products because we don't have, we don't have yeah. land to, to farm on. We don't have anything. We don't have the capabilities. We don't have nothing. That As the daughter of the old minister of agriculture before the um, the regime went nuts, I can tell you right now, God bless him, Allah Hamu, he's rolling in his grave. Like the 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 selling of Africa across the board, that's a plan I want. I think we should just take it back. White people don't follow rules. I think we should repatriate it. We should do it Zimbabwe. Be like, I'm sorry, y'all. You're done. You're good. Get Africa's out. back. It's ours. Yeah. Get the fuck out. We got some fixing we need to do, but we're going to do it. With that said, though, we, our time is up in the studio. Um, this was one of the best conversations I've just naturally had. Um, I thank you thank for you edifying for me. me get some stuff out. <laughs> thank you for edifying me. And this isn't over. For us, this isn't over. I'm going to continue to talk to you. Uh, we Great. will have information for our listeners. Uh, this podcast is... Uh, our listeners are active participants in their fate and their reality and in the fate of their children. We're all woke. Every one of my listeners is woke. Um, and we will make steps and efforts towards doing something about this. Um, we're going to, it's a call to action. Sounds like it's our next step. And our call to action is for leadership and organization. And uh, Sarah and I will, are going to talk offline and think about how best to do that and um, see if we can pass yeah. this on to some smart, good folks in our, in our diaspora. Definitely. Yep. You want to, oh, I don't have the ululation button, oh. but I can put it on later. Okay, good. I can ululate if you want me to. I'll I do it. Oh, <laughs> See, I'm not Sudanian enough to do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one thing I don't do. I was born with that button. It's like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Press my belly button. I ululate. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> All right, I love you, Sarah. Okay. I love you, too. Care.